Retirement. That's what we're all aiming at, right? But exactly what does that mean? It conjures up visions of endless days of golf, drinks with little umbrellas in them on a tropical beach, feet up, reading a book. Is that what it's all about? I don't think so. Life would get pretty dull after a while without anything meaningful to do, don't you think? I'm Jackie Doucette, and I'm on a mission to discover exactly what life is like beyond retirement. Join me while I chat with people who've already done it, who've retired to something rather than from something. Let's find out together exactly what's waiting for us when we say goodbye to that nine to five. Welcome to another episode of Beyond Retirement. Today, I'm really excited to have Sarah Zeff Geber with me. She's the author of Essential Retirement Planning for Solo Agers. She's a regular contributor to Forbes.com and Retirement and Aging. And she's a fellow at Nexus Insights, which is a think tank for the future of senior living and care for older adults. Sarah, thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Jackie. Pleasure to be here. So, I know that solo aging is something that is uh, a growing demographic, and it's something that a lot of us are going to have to face at some point, probably. What first piqued your interest in becoming an expert in this particular demographic? Well, it's kind of an interesting story, actually. Um, I would say probably 10-ish years ago, I was a glass of wine with a friend of mine just to catch up on things and she was talking about all the trips she'd been making to the back and forth from the west coast to the east coast to take care of her um, I think at that time about 88 or 90 year old mother she had to get her moved into a senior living community and she had to make sure that all of her needs were met there and she had to then sell her mom's house I mean it was just almost endless she spent the last two years dealing with it And I had been hearing similar stories from other friends of mine. And at one point, I I looked at my friend, Sandy, and I said, you know, Sandy, you and I don't have children. Who's going to do that for us? And that was the beginning of my quest to kind of figure out what those of us who don't have kids or other supportive family around us can do as we get older to be supported and to be safe and secure and and to lead a good life. So that was the beginning. And obviously it's something that's grown into a a huge, I don't want to say business, but a huge thing for you. It is. It's kind of turned into my mission in life, Uh, raising awareness. Initially, that's all I was doing is raising awareness about solo aging And then my interest in solo aging led to a lot of research. Um, I started doing a number of talks that I was doing talks on the retirement transition anyway. And I was working as a retirement coach. And it just kind of morphed. People were so fascinated by the whole notion of solo aging and the realization that so many of them were going to be solo agers or at least knew somebody that was going to be a solo ager that that kind of turned into the big interest area. So almost all of my talks and all of my writing centered around solo aging as of about six or seven years ago. And then I wrote the book, um, Essential Retirement Planning for Solo Agers, and that helped a great deal to raise more awareness 
And now I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of still on that quest. It's gone through a lot of different iterations, but um, I think I, I, along with a handful of others, are really promoting the idea of solo agers doing good planning so they can take care of themselves later in life. So what, what is the biggest question or the most common question that people ask you related to aging on your own? I think probably the, the most common question I get is, well, what's the most important thing? What's the thing I can, what's the thing I can do now? And I usually <laughs> tell them that there, there, there may not be one single most important thing, but it's kind of one of those three-legged stool opportunities. Like if you look at it, as having your, your financial um, situation in order, having your legal documents in order, and then having your social support system organized around you. Those are the three important legs of that stool. And if you miss any one of those, you can be in trouble. Yeah, so the easy one to start with, I think, is the finances. I encourage everybody to take to have at least one visit with a financial advisor, somebody that just bills you by the hour, doesn't want to sell you a lot of stocks and, and um, equities that you may not need or want, but someone who's just going to take a look at your situation and say, hey, yeah, I think you're good for the rest of your life. And these days, financial planners and advisors are, are really looking at a potential lifespan of close to 100 years. So with the money that you have today and your current income, whether that's in the U.S., Social Security and uh, in Canada, and I think it's something similar, um, or, and or uh, savings, hopefully both, uh, and a pension or whatever else you might have. What does that look like if you string that out for the next 30, 25, 30 years? Because a lot of us in our 60s and 70s are actually going to live that much longer. And do we need to continue to bring in an income? So all of those questions you really kind of need to answer. Do we need to adjust our lifestyle in order to, to make our money last? So that's an important one. And then, of course, thinking about what I might need in the way of care later in life, what I envision my end-of-life planning to be. Um, all of those uh, are mostly legal issues, and having an estate plan is a very important thing, having a will, an advanced directive, powers of attorney, all of those things. And they're, they're, those are hard to do for a lot of people, especially people who aren't very connected with family, which solo agers tend um, not to be. So we have to think through some of that because um, it's important for all of us to have a social network and to have people that we can rely on, even if these are people that we pay to uh, take care of us later in life. And that's going to be the situation for a lot of solo wagers. I, I believe it will be for my husband and me. And by the way, I also include married people without children as solo agers because just like in my situation my husband and I don't know which of us is going to go first right now we're both relatively healthy but 
Anything can happen. And one of us will surely be left as a true solo wager. So we're both planning accordingly. And I encourage married couples who don't have kids to do that. You don't really think about that, but that's that's entirely true. At some point, you're going to be really alone, not just alone with a you know with a spouse or with a partner. Exactly. You, you mentioned your a social network and how important that is. One of my recent uh, interviewees, one of my recent guests, commented on the importance of community in retirement. But I think, yeah. as you say, it's especially important to garner some sort of community as a solo ager because you don't have necessarily the family support. Do you have Absolutely. suggestions on ways that people can do that other than pain, yeah. like you said? Yeah, well, I think for a lot of solo agers, it's going to end up being a combination of um, probably some paid assistance and some mutual assistance from friends and uh, extended relations. So everybody kind of needs to take a look at their, what I, I kind of envision them as concentric circles around us. Who are the people that we're really close to? Who are in the next band outside of that? Who are outside of that? So if you take a look at first at your relations, maybe you have nieces or nephews or a younger sibling that could be a big part of your social network. Um, another question I encourage solo agers to ask themselves is, am I living in the right place? Do I have a social network here where I'm living? Or do I need to move while I'm still really able to do that comfortably to a place where I'm going to be nearer to family or nearer to people who could take care of me? So those are, and those are some very hard questions. Many solo agers consider that they look around them and, and consider their social network to be pretty much the people that are their contemporaries. Same age, same interests, um, <laughs> same situation. So it's, that's all well and good to be supportive of one another. Um, I have one woman friend who is single and does not have children. And she recently kind of joined forces with, a, I think, three other women and they have all agreed to support one another as they age and to live near one another. I think they all live in the same condominium complex or, or something pretty close. And, and that's important. And they actually paired up so that even now they're in their um, late 60s, early 70s, they are checking in with one another in the morning. Each one of them has someone that they have to text when they get up and just say, hello, I'm up, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing fine, whatever they want to say. And it's, it's a, uh, it's kind of a safety valve. I think it came about because one of them had a real scare. She had a fall and couldn't get to her cell phone, didn't have any kind of alert mechanism on her and didn't know whether anyone was gonna find her. So fortunately someone did, um, but it, it was a wake up call for all of them. And now they have this check-in mechanism. So if one of them doesn't check in one day, they know to go knock on the door and see if everything's okay. And it's, it's little things like that, that can give us a feeling of a little more security 
as we get older, e even if we are living alone. And of course, many solo agers live alone. I think that's a, that's a really great idea. And hopefully they also have keys to each other's um, condos or apartments so that they're not just knocking well, on the door, they can actually go in because that, you know, that's going to be a problem as well. I think they probably do. Yeah. Um, I, she told me about it briefly about a month or two ago, and I, I didn't don't remember whether she mentioned keys, but that would be the smart thing for sure. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your book. Um, you, uh, it's, it's called The Essential Guide to Retiring for Solo Agers. It's Essential Retirement Planning for planning. Solo Agers. Okay. But it is not a financial guide. I have one chapter in there on finances, but it's really the non-financial side of retirement planning for people that don't have children or other relations that they can rely upon. So it covers a lot of ground and a big portion of the ground that it covers is where are you gonna live? Because I think that's the biggest question that solo agers need to answer for themselves is where, where's the smart place for me to live? And I go into all the different options for senior living, as, such as they are today, uh, the traditional ones like continuing care retirement communities, uh, 55 plus communities, which are now called active adult communities. Um, those don't have any care built in, but you're very close to your neighbors in many ways. Some of them are like condominiums. Uh, some of them you buy into, some of them you rent but it's all people of a, of a similar age and that have similar concerns like the ones we're talking about here. And then there are the less traditional kinds of living situations, which I'm a big fan of because I think some of the traditional ones are out of reach for a lot of people in terms of, of affordability. But there are opportunities like home sharing, Mm -hmm. Co-housing, um, home sharing can take a lot of different forms and almost every major metropolitan area has some kind of home sharing network now that you can go, I mean, most of them obviously are online that you can go into and, and actually find a housemate. Or you may have a big home that you're rattling around in as a single person and maybe want to consider renting out a room. To, and, and that doesn't have to be to another older adult, you might rent a room to a college student. And that college student or younger person, doesn't necessarily have to be in college, might be able to do some of the work around the house for exchange for rent. There's just all kinds of creative solutions for being careful with your living situation and setting yourself up for, for success as you get older. Um, I'm a big fan of co-housing. It also can be a little on the expensive side um, because with co-housing, you generally have to buy into it. Uh, but it's all over the country. There's a couple hundred co-housing communities now. And um, like you mentioned, Jackie, I think one of the absolute most important things that we all have to think of is community. We all need community. We're social animals and that's how we take care of one another. Yeah, the uh, the home sharing or, or co-housing brings to mind the uh, the golden girls yes absolutely that's um, the model exactly it, that's, that's the perfect model. way to live 
you've got somebody <laughs> there all the time and yeah. exactly and you know I, I tell pe- people I especially when I give talks and people say oh I don't know I, I just don't think I could live with somebody that's like going back to dorm yeah college dorm days or something I said you know if you remember your college dorm days, if you have any kind of a good experience, you didn't love one another immediately, but you got to know each other. You got to know each other's likes and dislikes, and, and you became a kind of a support system to one another in, in very different ways back then than you would today. Um, and if you remember the Golden Girls show, they didn't always get along. They didn't always <laughs> love one another. But in the end, they took care of one another and they supported one another. So, and that's the goal. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I guess that kind of um, leads into a little bit of your, uh, the, the nexus insights. You're looking for different ways to, to not to house people, but for uh, aging adults to live. Yeah, Nexus Insights is uh, really a think tank of people from all over the different different aspects of the the world of of aging and senior living and coming up with creative ways that people can build community and live together and especially ways that will appeal to this next generation of older adults, which are the baby boomers. Because baby boomers have some very different ideas about what they want, if they're even thinking about it yet. Uh, very different ideas about what they want in senior living. There's plenty of baby boomers that can afford to move into the classic senior living communities. But not too many are really interested in a life that is kind of dictated for you. Meal times and, <clears throat> and different activities and um, they won't be able to ha- to continue to have real meaning and purpose in their lives. And some of that is, is truly happening. Uh, and I, the more I see of it, the, the more encouraged I am that senior living will, in fact, begin to meet the needs of boomers who may want to move into a senior community and continue to work, right. continue to run their own business, run their own their, um yeah, run their own business or develop a new business or do something entirely different. Be uh, involved in the greater community in ways. And so those are the kinds of things that we explore and talk about at conferences and whatnot. That makes perfect sense. I mean, if if you've got potentially 30 or 40 more years, you're not going to want to be tossed into a spot where you're going to be told breakfast is from eight till nine every <laughs> single day. <laughs> What happens if I want to get up and go out earlier than that? (laughs) Exactly. And and unfortunately, the only experience that a lot of baby boomers have had with any kind of senior living is their grandparents' nursing home or their parents' senior um, assisted living communities. And they think that that's all that's out there. Or worse yet, they're remembering the horror stories from the first days of the pandemic when so many people were dying and, and then were so isolated. So senior living communities have, um, you know, they've had trial by fire over the last two years and they've learned a lot, they've grown a lot. Um, but, you know, it's, there's a, there don't seem to be any really perfect solutions. But one thing I, I believe that we all need to do is acknowledge that 
time marches on for all of us and we're going to get older and we're going to have some different needs and we're going to have to look ahead and think about how we're going to get those needs met. I think you're right. There's nobody gets out of this place alive, as they say. That's right. <laughs> so That's making right. the best of what we've got while we're here is pretty important. Exactly. Exactly. Is there anything um, that you'd like to share with the listeners? We've talked a little bit about your book. Obviously, it's available everywhere. And yeah, um, even libraries now, a lot of libraries are carrying it. Oh, nice. But I think, I think one of the most important things to do is to begin to talk about this. It's good to give it some thought on your own, but start to talk about it. Start to talk to your friends about it. Start to ask people what they have in mind when they get older, especially solo agers that you know. If you're listening to this and you're not a solo ager, um, I bet you know one. I bet there's one in your family because the, uh, the statistics on solo aging are quite astonishing. When I first started to research this, I found a Pew Research report, which turned up the fact that almost 20% of baby boomer women did not have children. Wow. So when you think about that, that's every fifth baby boomer that you see potentially doesn't have children. Now, some of them went on to marry into families that had children because their, their husbands already had kids or they adopted. So it's not 19.4% across the board that doesn't have children. But more and more, we're going to be seeing people who really don't have the family attachments that previous generations did. It's still double what the generations before the baby boomers had in the way of childlessness. And that's an astonishing fact. And actually, the, um, one of the things that came across my desk early in the fall is a brand new study by the census, the U.S. Census Bureau that for the first time studied the statistics on childlessness in older adults. So I was delighted to see this because it validated the statistics that I've been talking about that I unearthed 10 years ago from a more obscure source. But you know, this is, this is uh, done on the latest round of uh, census and it's pretty daunting, pretty daunting. I've run into a lot of people through my podcast who are on their own, they're traveling, they're enjoying it now, but they haven't really thought about the years to come. That's, that's right. That's most people's situation. Yeah. Well, I know you're available on LinkedIn and you've got a Facebook group. I assume that those are the best ways for people to get in touch with you if they'd like to ask you questions. Yes, I do have a website a website, which is uh, my name, sarahzefgeber.com. Um, I actually don't have a Facebook group that's very active. Um, if you're interested in joining an interesting Facebook group that was started, oh gosh, I think about eight years ago by a woman by the name of Carol Marek. And she's kind of my, my compatriot in solo aging. She talks about more of the care side of things. She started a Facebook group I want to say it was probably like 2016, 2015, because we ran into each other at a co-housing conference. And um, 
And hers is, oh gosh, now I'm blanking on the name of the, of the Facebook group. Um, There's one you gave not, me called Life Encore. Life Encore is my website. You can actually get there through lifeencore.com or sarahzefgeber.com. And I did at one point start a small Facebook group called Life Encore. It just, I, I kind of let it drop. There were so many other things going on. So there's a, a tiny core of us. Um, uh, but it's a, anyway, Carol's group was a good one to join. There's several thousand members and it's uh, aging alone. Um, or about if you search on Facebook for something on aging alone, I think you'll find it. I will find it, and I will and she has about ten thousand. She has about ten thousand members, um, wow. and it is a it's a closed group. You have to apply to it. An interesting uh, thing was when I first met her, and I and I said, "Oh, can I join?" And she said, "Sure, just you know, just join." At that time, I don't even think it was a closed group. I think she only. She had started the week before I met her and it already had 600 members. Wow. So, yeah. So um, I joined. And then at one point, a couple of years later, I got kicked out because I was married. And <laughs> she, she said, oh, don't worry about it. If you want to lurk, just let me know and I'll, I'll, I'll admit you on the side. But uh, Facebook groups that grow that large kind of take on a life of their own. Yes. Um, so this one has definitely done that. And, you know, it's got its fair share of people griping about, oh, woe is me. I'm all by myself. And yeah. I like to take a little more positive spin on things. And, and so does Carol. So anyway, she's another person to uh, to check out if you're interested in, in solo aging. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much, Sarah. I've really enjoyed talking to you. And I know that uh, all the listeners who are solo agers or no one, which is probably everybody, will be fascinated by the things that you've that you've shared with us today. Thanks, Jackie. It was a pleasure being here. Good to talk to you. And that's it for this episode of Beyond Retirement. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I hope you enjoyed it. Are you ready to start rocking your retirement? Head on over to www.beyondretirement.ca forward slash rocking it. And sign up to plan out your own roadmap for retirement. Don't wait till it's too late.